Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Daring Live. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it is not as hot as it was in San Diego last week, but it is still warm. And so uh, we will see how this goes. But uh, everything is good. I hope everybody is safe at home uh, and getting through uh, the madness in the world. But today we hope to... Um, shed some light on that and, and kind of bring in some, some happiness and some joy for everybody's uh, afternoon and evenings. Um, but before we get to that, just a very quick reminder to everybody, um, we are about six or seven episodes into Daring Live. So firstly, thank you very much for everybody who's tuned in. Um, it's been a real pleasure. We've got lots of very cool guests coming up uh, down the line, which we'll be announcing soon. Um, you can go to the YouTube channel, Daring YouTube channel, um, and they're all up there. Uh, you can see Tony Trishko, you can see Jens Kruger, uh, David Holt, uh, Mike Johnson. Uh, there's a, a dialogue about uh, finger picks. Um, and if you didn't tune in a couple of weeks ago, there was also a very in-depth discussion about banjo strings after we announced our move to GHS. So just a reminder to everybody, we do have them. They are in stock. You can go get them uh, at gearingbanjos.com. Um, but it's a really uh, in-depth conversation with, with Jens Kruger and also with uh, John Moody from GHS Strings. So um, really getting into the nitty gritty of, of the science behind the strings and, and why we went that direction. So enjoy those uh, and the rest of the episodes. Uh, but this week, um, we are honored to be joined by the wonderful uh, singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, Miss Valerie June. Um, and she joins us today, hailing from uh, Jackson, Tennessee, I believe, Valerie, is that right? <laughs> you can unmute. It's indeed correct. Yeah. <laughs> but she's in, you're in Brooklyn right now, right? Yes, I'm in Brooklyn in right Brooklyn. now. Okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, Valerie once described her own music as uh, organic moonshine roots music. Is that true? I once did. Now I, I just... Did. Thanks for your songwriter music. <laughs> I needed a name when I was in um, the South playing at all, busking at these festivals, because people would come up and they'd be <laughs> like, what kind of music is that? So I just, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm just going to make something up, because I really <laughs> don't want to be boxed in. I want to do what I want to do. Love it. Absolutely love it. She is quite possibly one of the happiest and most joyful people that we've ever met, and it's really a pleasure to welcome her to Daring Live, Miss Valerie June. Thank Good you. Good afternoon. Uh, and then with us, as always, is uh, the Robin to buy my Batman here, Mr. Dave Andrasky. What's going on? Dave? Hey, how you doing? Good to be here. All right. Valerie, would you mind uh, opening up with a little tune? All right. I'll play you a song. Thank it's called Band and Rome. <laughs> Neighbor, listen to that wall. Neighbor, listen to that wall. No, the 
watching your banjo style there you're playing with your thumb and your index finger yeah really this and then sometimes the middle finger will come in on songs and then uh -huh. sometimes i'll just like i guess do this uh -huh. but um and then sometimes i'll pick um it just depends on the song but right, right. You know, whatever the songs want to do sometimes just one stray and a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, whatever works, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. So how how early were you when you began kind of uh, singing? You, you started your career as a singer, correct? I was singing, yes, when I was a very young girl, I guess, just bellowing around the house. And I didn't start doing it professionally until I moved to Memphis. And that was when I was about 18. And mm -hmm. uh and what did I do? I started singing at open mics and coffee houses all around. And then I got in a band and did all of that. And then yeah. then I only sang. So when the band broke up, I had to learn how to play an instrument because I didn't want to like, not be able to perform. Right. So my grandfather had given me a guitar, so I started teaching myself some chords. And, and I guess I was in my 20s, early 20s when I started playing my first instrument. And then I had a boyfriend who gave me a banjo, the Deering Good Time banjo that I was telling you about. Uh -huh. <laughs> that banjo. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I might as well learn some songs on that. So I started to um, teach myself some stuff on that. And then um, my best friend, she gave me this little baby. And oh, yeah. I started to teach myself some stuff on that. So really, like, if a person gives me an instrument, then I just kind of noodle around and teach myself some stuff, chords and, like, different little things that I right. that fit my voice. And that's what I end up doing. I don't really, like, learn to play uh, as exactly you're meant to play, I guess. I, could, I just play to my voice. Because I feel like I started too late in life for that. I'm like, I was... I guess 26, 27 when I started playing banjo and the baby came into my life when I was about 29. Right. It's hard to remember, but that was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of, uh, I think maybe why you have such a, you know, such an original sound and, and sound like yourself so much, which is hard for a lot of artists to do is, you know, a lot of artists, a lot of people can end up just kind of playing things that um, trying to sound like somebody else all the time, aiming for that. But it sounds like you made the instrument work for your songs. Yeah. It yeah. makes it difficult when you're trying to learn someone else's song, though. That is the hardest thing for me to do in the world. Uh -huh. so, so that's always really difficult. But with with songs of my own, yeah, that's that's pretty much fine. And I let it be fine, you know. Right. Like, oh, 
just let it be what it is as far as that. But I do think that at some point in my life, I want to like spend more time actually learning other songs, covers, and things of that sort, which quarantine time's been really good for that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not doing a hundred some shows a year. Like, I'm home. I can learn some stuff and listen to... I listen to it a lot, but as far as like actually sitting and having the time to play something new... When you're on the road, you play a lot of your same songs night after night, you know? Right, right, right. And about how old were you when you started writing your own songs? Um, well, I believe that when I was really, really young, I started writing songs. My brothers and sisters, we all um, we all like to sing and, and like make up melodies and songs mm-hmm. around the house. So it just kind of came with growing up in a family with five kids. Um, and then the songs that I wrote by myself would be things about frogs and rainbows and mud <laughs> out in the country. So I just wrote about what was around. Right. And crawdads, we'd pick them up and stuff like that. Um, but then what else? Like when I got to be 18 and when I moved to Memphis, I love art, and I'm very creative in the way of visual art. And I thought about going to college for art at Memphis College of Art. But then I had a roommate who was going, and I said, you know what, I just, I don't want to go to Memphis College of Art because I it's going to cost me way too much money for what I want to do, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. be a broke-ass artist. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I'd rather not have the debt, honestly. So I said, well, let me just start to pick up some jobs and I picked up some jobs at coffee shops and um and I was surrounded by artists by musicians by poets by filmmakers like Mm -hmm. one of the guys would come every day and serve coffee to Craig Brewer he would he wrote like an Oscar award winning film most recently like a film with Eddie Murphy and I can't remember Sweetbacks um I can't remember the full name of the one, the latest one, but it's amazing, the latest one with Eddie. And we just look back at that time and we're like, oh, my God. We were just a bunch of Memphians running around saying, one day I'm going to be a musician. One day I'm going to be a filmmaker. (laughs) And and that's just been years and years now. You know, it's been uh, about almost two decades so it's interesting to look at all the other artists and see that we we decided to make this dream of being right. an artist our life. It yeah. sounds like you're at Memphis at kind of a special time when there's a lot of, you know, create creative energy going on. It is. And, you know, it's such a sleepy town in so many ways because uh-huh. there's all this going on creatively with the artists. But it's not like on the national world stage, really. So it's a great place to um, to just kind of get up there and try your stuff out and let them nurture you and fall flat on your face. And they'll say, you can do it. Keep right. going. You can do it. Versus I feel like if I would have went to Nashville, because Jackson's right. between the two. Mm-hmm. And I had the choice. Do I want to go to Nashville or do I want to go to Memphis? If I would have gone to Nashville to start, 
trying to teach myself butchering, butchering, butchering these instruments in front of a crowd, then I probably would have been discouraged pretty quick because most players there are like so sharp that I just would have felt like, oh, I'm never going to get there. But I had the goal in mind of people like Elizabeth Cotton or Mississippi John Hurt who were like really way older by the time they were successful. So, um, or known to be successful in the world. I feel like they were successful. I mean, Elizabeth wrote that song when she was nine. That's huge success. The one one that got the the big popularity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So I was like, I don't really have any hurry for what I'm trying to do. And it's all just kind of happened. So um, it's all kept me in shock. You know, the fact Mm -hmm. that I can do this versus what I did before being a barista, um, what else? There was working at the herb shop, Maggie's Farm, uh, cleaning houses, you know. Yeah. I had about three or four jobs, and some of them all in one day. And then I get right. off my music, too. So, yeah, it was a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's nice being in, in a community like that. I'm in New Orleans, and it's kind of a similar thing where it's a creative space and not very, not not uh, uh, very, as cutthroat as a place like, uh, Nashville or New York or LA would be. Um, yeah. Like I don't really, like I, I live in New York and I feel like we have a very small circle of musicians that I know here that I've been mm-hmm. playing with on the road for the last record cycle. And that feels like family. But outside of that, I don't really know like much about the scenes. Right. Cause, um, I feel like that's something I'd want to do with my life. Like, if I weren't on the road so much is go and see more shows and get involved mm-hmm. in other circles because there's so many circles here right. and so many right. musicians. It's like huge. So I think that I'd want to get out of my comfort zone as far mm-hmm. as what I know and the people I know in music and explore some of the other types of music that I love. Like there's always stuff going on at Lincoln Center and I haven't been to I've been to one show that was Anushka Shankar, and that was great. But I'd like to do more stuff like that, and it's available here versus when you're living somewhere like Memphis. In New Orleans, y'all get a lot of stuff, but um, we don't always get everything there. So, right, right. Might be neat to do. And as far as cutthroat business stuff, I don't really, you know, Memphis has its own kind of like you know, insular scene as far as music. So yeah, you just yeah. kind of find a place and get on, get on stage and make it happen and hope people come to the show. So mm-hmm. I think that's different than the other cities you name, like New York or, or LA or Nashville. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You, you, if you know people, you probably get gigs easier. Right, right, right. <laughs> At least I feel like here I know people and I get gigs easier <laughs> <laughs> than when I first came here. When I first came, I got pretty lucky though. Um, I played over at Terra Blues because a lady named Lafreski she she invited me to see one of her shows, and this guy Junior Mac was the one she was playing drums for, and he she told him I was from Memphis and that I played music and. He said, we got a girl from Memphis here today, and she's going to get up and do a song. And I didn't want to, so I was like, "Uh uh-uh. And he said, she's sitting right there, and he called my ass out. And um, 
and I had to get up there and sing. And the owner was there, and he he heard my my song, and he was like, "How would you like to do a residency here?" And that ended up being how I made a living for three years in New York is doing that residency wow. at Terra Blues. So I kind of got lucky with that, but I don't know. I was. I played in the subway and different places like that, and I just made do with being pretty broke. And I also went back and forth a lot to Memphis, Mississippi, um, Arkansas, all the areas where I had been making a living for the years before I moved here. I was back and forth. So that's pretty much been my life for the last decade as I would come. I spend maybe, I guess enough time to wash clothes and then I'm on the road <laughs> and back to, back to Tennessee visiting and playing a show or to wherever in the world playing a show. Mm-hmm. It's fun stuff. Is there any particular place where you, you've had the luxury of traveling around a little bit for, uh, for music, uh, I imagine? Uh, any particular place that really captured your heart when you were out on the road and, and touring around and that kind of thing? Oh... Wow, heart. It's a big one. Yeah, it's big because... <laughs> it's a deep question. It's an early on deep question, sorry. There's so many great places. Um, and when you're going as fast as I was going for so many years, like, you you have to figure out how to find heart in motion. So, so, because you don't always see the places. You see the venue, but it goes so fast. And so the place that I really, really love and I love, 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 like imagining that I'll get to go back, I've been twice. It's in Lyon and it's this place, they have this event called Fourvier and it's, um, it's like an amphitheater that's before, like before Christ, it seems. It was built, and you're looking out over the entire city, and there's like these stone stairs. It reminds me a lot of um, Greek theater, or mm-hmm. like we'd have Red Rocks, which would be something similar to it, the way that it feels and how beautiful it is. It's just breathtaking. Um, so I love playing there. There's like grapes growing all around (laughs) so you're walking through and I like wine so there's wine country around (laughs) (laughs) I like lavender so there's Provence lavender fields everywhere I love things like that so that's been a really really fun place but I mean there have been so many fun ones like Japan was amazing Hawaii and you know Australia was pretty amazing, but it's such a trick to get there that I'm usually pretty tired when I'm there. Mm-hmm. So next time I go, I'm just going to be like, I need a month. <laughs> take, take, a, take a month off after the, uh, after the shows, right? Yeah, just hang yeah. out and get an get a Airbnb for the month and just live there <laughs> for a month because it's too far to go otherwise. But yeah, I mean, there's always more to do too, like, It'd be fun to go to South America and perform, and um, South Africa would be fun. And I've been to Africa before, but I haven't performed there, so that would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Dreams. We must have dreams. <laughs> yeah, we must always have dreams. That's right. Go ahead, David. Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. So we've got a lot of uh, beginners that are just playing the banjo and struggling, kind of struggling to find their voice. Um, what would you kind of recommend for them to try to, for, for finding their own voice on the instrument? Hmm. Finding your own voice. Well, if you sing, that'll make it a little easier because you can um, kind of like hum and pick out what you would be mm -hmm. singing. Like with Mandan Wrong, it came first as a voice, like. And that just happened for days and days and days in my head. Yeah. And then I was like, what instrument should I play that melody on? And so, like, of course, it took me forever to sit with it. I said, okay, I'm going to try it on the banjo. And I said, okay, I'll just sit with the banjo and I'll try to go. And I'll just try to find the notes. Right. And then I got a little faster. And just on, 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 on. And then, you know, when you start to hear a voice, you hear a lot of different voices. You hear variations of it. So it'll be, and so uh, you might have to call other musicians to play with you because you can't do them all <laughs> unless you're Billy Strings. And you can. <laughs> or you have a loop pedal. <laughs> yeah, if you have a loop pedal, you can do them all too. Um, so that's pretty much one way to do it. Another way is just, I think being really like playing super slowly is a good important part. Mm -hmm of it and and um and if you have like some family or someone who will kind of listen to a song here and there mm -hmm. just for your bravery right right <laughs> play just anything even if you're like still with the trident wheels on and you're like making mistakes just play it play it in front of them because it's neat to play it in front of a person and feel right. what the song feels like to someone else even if it's a folk song you're learning or whatever because it makes you i think that helps you i don't know why but right. just having another like knowing someone else is listening makes you play differently <laughs> than oh, you play with you play alone <laughs> it makes you it makes you take almost take it a little more seriously too. And as opposed to just kind of picking it up and kind of stopping mid song and stuff like that. That's true. And also like having the attitude that everybody in the world that, you know, has some hands should play an instrument. It's good for the soul. It's good for the heart. Don't think only that, you know, people who are playing like Hendrix or, mm -hmm are the ones who can play. No, everybody needs to be able to play something, like one song on something, just for you, you know? Like, cause you need to. And once you get that feeling, then you're like, okay. Um, I think it like music kind of uh, keeps your heart open and it keeps uh -huh. your 
you young. And so if you can learn to play a song or sing, even singing can be that thing, Mm -hmm. then you can um, keep a part of your spirit open that would probably close with age because there's so much going on in the world that you get so heavy hearted. And so like knowing the reason why you play is important. Like, do you play because you like want to be the absolute most awarded superstar in the world? Or do you play because it like rejuvenates your soul, you know? Right. You get a deep sense of satisfaction, right? When you play, yeah. even just playing something in, in, you know, in your bedroom, we have a, a lot of customers who they know right up front that that's, that's all they want to do. They just want that, that pleasure of being able to play a few songs. And then particularly now, you know, now we were going to ask, you know, it's been a pretty rough year for a lot of people. Um, and just speaking to customers on a daily basis, like it seems like a lot of people right now are turning to music, specifically learning stuff maybe they haven't had time to do. Um, how has that played into, into your life? I mean, you, you mentioned earlier you're listening to a lot of music, uh, a little different music, um, but how, how important do you think that is for people, particularly in times where it's been the craziest of years, uh, at least that we can remember. In our lifetime, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The craziest year. Um, well, it's been, I'm so grateful that I have music. I've been, I've been mentoring this woman named Tiana Esperanza. She's 20 and she's such a brilliant musician. And I mean, she plays a lot of instruments. <laughs> and and she was just talking about how powerful music is and how it rejuvenates her spirit. And that's really where I got what I just said from was from our conversation. I guess it was yesterday or the day before where we were both like, yeah, we feel like we've been given a gift to be able to sit at home and play an instrument. And so a lot of people will have instruments and they'll collect dust. Like the baby, when my best friend gave her to me, this instrument, I was like, thanks. <laughs> it's a toy. And I was just like, that's nothing. I'm never going to do anything with that, is what I thought in the back of my head. All the while, I was like, oh, what a nice gift. <laughs> and she's like, well, all right, I thought it would be nice because you like instruments and you're always carrying so much stuff and I feel like it'll be little and easier for you to get on the plane. And so it was a very sweet thought. She even got my name kind of like carved on the top. But I let the baby like sit in a corner collecting all of this dust, just, I mean, the dust was so thick. And then I tell a story, it's kind of like a children's story where me and the mama and my instrument, Big Red, which is an electric guitar, we'd go to festivals all over the world and we'd come in and we'd just be like, woo, it was so great. And the baby would hear us and she'd be crying in the corner with all the dust <laughs> all over her. <laughs> and one day I was just trying to get some sleep and she was crying so loud that I couldn't take it. And so I had to go over and go, <laughs> and there was so much <laughs> dust, it was choking me. And I dusted her off and I said, well, what the hell's your problem? And she said, well, I want to sing. And, and I was like, well, what can you sing? You're just a toy. 
And she said, well, I, I got a song, and I can sing as good as Aretha or anybody else. Beyonce and all of them. And I was like, okay, well, if you can, then, then I'll give you a try on the road. And sure enough, the baby is well-remembered all around the world wherever I play. We have already had uh, at least three or four requests in the chat here of, can you do something with the baby? <laughs> yeah, I can do something with <laughs> Maybe that's a beautiful segue in. Would you mind? mind. And she also, whenever she's um, started to sing, I mean, it really makes me feel happy because... She sings a song for those who are lonely, and so many of us that have to stay at home and away from everybody, longing for the world, feel lonely. And so her song goes, well, if you're tired and you're feeling so lonely, you wake up at night thinking that only if you have somebody 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 to love did they tell you there were plenty of fish in the sea but you're out in the cold and you're feeling empty oh you're looking for somebody well I'll be somebody somebody to Absolutely awesome. Well, you know, the thing I notice about you is when you play, like you can't help, you're, you're smiling. Like you're, you're, you're grinning from ear to ear, like almost the whole time. It's really cool. Well, you know, that's something that happened in the last, I guess, two years. Because really, like all the other time I played, 
I didn't smile. It just happens all of a sudden in my life. <laughs> that I smile a lot now when I play. I don't know why. It's just like a breakthrough because <laughs> I'm so focused on trying to see smile. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Well, if you do have an instrument at home and you're just like, I really want to play that one day, don't let that day not be today. Go over and blow the dust off of it and just play with it. Just have fun with it. They call it playing music for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have all this pressure about it. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That was, that was beautiful. I'm curious, um, Dave, I'll let you get back to the questions in a second. Um, I'm curious, your songs, um, sometimes they're just you uh, and an instrument. Other times, like um, I was listening to The Order of Time a week or two ago, and uh, there's a lot of band in there. By the way, whoever is playing bass on that is amazing. Groove. Hey, love they it. just said that your bass playing is amazing on The oh. Order of Time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> love it i love it how does that how does that transpire because i'm assuming like a lot of the songs that you write uh they start in your head kind of in the same way that you you were doing the banjo earlier and then they kind of evolve can you describe the process a little bit um to how it ends up being like a multi-instrumental band uh piece well we just matt and i you know we just started playing music around the house together. Like, really what happened is every time I was playing a song, Matt would come in with a guitar or a bass or some mm. instrument, and he would start playing with me. <laughs> and so finally I was just like, you know, this sounds really good, so would you like to produce a record of mine? <laughs> and we'll just make some music and just see what happens. And he said yes, and we spent, I guess, maybe two seasons in the studio in Vermont and also in New York and some in Tennessee with musicians that he chose that he loves to play with. And we just really got in the room. I started playing the song and then we would just, musicians would just play. Like if I hear an instrument on something, then I'll ask, hey, can you play uh, Rhodes or something warm or no that instrument doesn't work and then he's like super great at directing and telling people okay let's try one more time or you know and just really a lot of it was live and Mm. just moments you know like photographs that are taken uh but sound photographs that you're able to hear and then we go back and i would lay down overdubs or he would overdub a a guitar solo. He did the beautiful solo on uh, Long Lonely Road. Yeah, that's a great song. And a solo on With You that I love. Because I wrote that song um, after I met him. So that's kind of a love song in a lot of ways. It's beautiful. (laughs) I love the fact that people use it at their weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get a lot of people telling you about that? Yeah, they send me stuff. There's oh, a beautiful awesome. Indian wedding that I was sent a video of, and then these two beautiful women were married, and they sent me a video. I don't know all the people who use it, but they send the videos, and I'm like, oh, I love it, and it makes me cry. <laughs> but it's a process. So you're, you're involving different people and, and maybe giving them a, an element of creative freedom 
to kind of try different things and, and at some point I guess it just fits and that's the, that's the snapshot right that's the picture that, that goes off to say that's that's how it should sound you know really that is what usually happens when I worked with Dan Arbach it was the same way where Kevin um, Agunis and him they chose like Eric Deaton Jimbo Mathis and who else was another musician that we had Richard Swift oh I love Richard and we just all went in the room and started playing songs. And then, you know, that was what happened, like whatever the snapshot was. And then later you go back and you add overdubs if you feel like you need them. Like sure. the strings weren't live and the mm-hmm. what else wasn't live, the um, horns, things like that. So I can hum out a part, you know, like Doug came. Doug is our upstairs neighbor, and he came down one day. And he's like, <laughs> so I want to sit with y'all and kind of talk about what I will write for the, um, arrange for the um, horn players. And, you know, if I hear anything, I'll hum it. Or, you know, Matt will say, well, I feel like this needs to be a berry instead of a trumpet, you know, or whatever. So he's yeah. really like the one who can choose an instrument because I'll always choose trumpet. (laughs) 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 But because he plays so many instruments, he'll say, I know exactly the instrument that needs to have, that has the voice that you're looking for, for that sound. Uh And so choose that instrument. So I learned a lot from him about that and a lot from Dan and uh, Kevin when I worked with them. And I guess... You know, every time I work with someone, I learn a little bit more about how to get the whole sound that goes up to making a record. You right. Know? How to make a record, how to produce and stuff like that. That's what that is, production. Exactly. <laughs> how, how did the Dan Albeck situation come about? How did you, how did you end up uh, working with, with Dan? I met Kevin and Kevin asked me who I'd like to work with. And I told him a list of folks and uh, Dan was on the list and he had just worked with Dan on some stuff. And so he introduced us and we wrote um, at John Prine's studio in in Nashville. We wrote our Tennessee Time and that was really fun to work on that song, Tennessee Time. And then... When we were in the studio, that's when some of the other songs came. But then other songs I'd had before I met him, like Working Woman and uh, what else? Um, Shotgun and Twined and Twisted and stuff like that. So those came before and they got recorded with the same in the same year or two. Because it usually Mm -hmm. takes me about, I guess it takes about three or four years for me to have a record ready. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. Are you a perfectionist? Mm-mm. And no. then I will have recorded the I I'll write the songs like a decade or at this point, because I'm getting older, two decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm getting a lot of time under my belt. Uh, and so then... Like, so the songs would be old to me and new to everyone else, right. like new to the producer, new to the the musicians who've been chosen and new to 
to uh, the world when we let it out and old to the producer and old to the musician. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can imagine after I get finished touring with the songs that they're very old to me at that point. They're like grandparents. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of how all of those events came together. But I look at it like, like I said, with the musicians I most admire, they'd be like 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s. So it's just a life's work, you know. Mm-hmm. And how is it uh, co-writing some songs with people? What was that process like? Fine. Yeah. I usually enjoy writing more than them performing and um, and recording. Ooh. Recording is probably the scariest part of what I have done. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I love that p- creative part because of writing, because it's just like nothing's formed. It's just mm-hmm. anything's possible. <laughs> but then once it's formed and you have ideas about how you want it to be, and, like, you know you want a horn, but... Like I said, you don't really know what type of horn. It can get complicated because then you hear the horn and you're like, no, that's not the one. So mm-hmm. that's why it's cool if you're working with someone who has the magic and they understand, like right. they can just get into your head almost and hear the same horn that you're hearing and you don't have to explain right. what type of horn it is. They just know the horn and they know who is going to be the one to to play it the way that it needs to be played for that particular song. That's a whole nother thing, choosing right. the actual person who has the feel for the certain song. Because different songs need different feelings. Mm-hmm. And they're colors. These other instruments are colors. So they're like, you know, you have the drawing and then the colors come onto the painting or textures and that mm-hmm. makes the whole piece. It's really cool. Yeah, you mentioned you might you're thinking of going to art school. So, do you think that kind of visual art um, way of looking at music is that kind of go hand in hand? Is that kind of way your brain's kind of ticking? Yeah, they're all together. A lot of musicians are also um, visual artists or some kind of other type of artist. I do it with everything at this point one of my life's goals is to make all of my whole entire life uh creativity <laughs> i just want to be in a place where my zen and my enlightened moment is like everything that i did with my life was something of creativity from growing plants and the way they sit in the window to what i put on my body <laughs> to, i want everything to just be art the food that i eat i want it colorful like i got a salad in the fridge it's got kale it's got all these rainbow peppers it's got tomatoes they have like two color tomatoes um what else it's got avocado it's got eggs so i got every color you know i just want to have a colorful life and have it all just you know i don't want to have to have like too many rules about what it is with that i do creatively Mm -hmm. (laughs) just enjoy playing this instrument and then a little of that one and a little of that one but i can admire uh people who are purist and do like 
our specialties, specialty at one thing, you know, like right. um, if you were a doctor or you were, um, I don't know, like a, like my sister-in-law is a nurse practitioner and she is amazing. So we need it all. Yeah. But yeah. I just like to dabble. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about your bass plan. He's a badass <laughs> bass player, but he's so like humble. He'll just be like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, no, 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 no. That was awesome. That's what bass players do. We are humble. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, a bass player. If you didn't figure that out, <laughs> we gotta be. So, someone in the band's gotta be the humble one, right? Yeah, y'all have to hold it together <laughs> for everybody else. Unless you're Jaco Pastorius, doing something crazy. Unless you're Jaco Pastorius, you're absolutely right. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> Jaco. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with with banjo, heading back into that banjo realm real quick. With, is there anybody like uh, that you would call like a traditional banjo player that's inspired you to to pick up or any kind of things that you've taken from from any of the other banjo players that you listen to? Or is it literally just your own kind of take on how you want it to sound? Well, it's my take on how I want it to sound. But if I could sound like others, I'd really want to sound, ooh, I'd love to sound like Roscoe Hogan. I would uh-huh. love it. Okay, yeah. just like melt mm-hmm. my face off. That's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it, it's just like I said, I kind of feel like that's maybe not my gift, you know, and you're gifted where you get it. And I'm not saying that I can't play the thing, <laughs> but I play it like that, you know. Um, yeah. Or let's see, I think he's about the one for me. Everything about it, like even his voice, I love his voice. And he's humble, like sense of personality when you watch videos of his performances and yeah, the name mm-hmm. of the records. Like who the hell names the record Untamed Sense of Control? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm trying to keep it together here. But you know, <laughs> it's like gospel to me when I listen to his music, so. He's an inspiration. And then, like, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of inspiring banjo players, but I think he's the one that I like the sound of. And then I like a lot of African music as well, and I hear so many um, things in African music that remind me of the banjo, which is where it really came from. So I think I lean a lot towards, like, African kind of sounds, you know, just like, or our tribal Mm -hmm. sounds, you know, I like tribal sounds a lot. So that's the other side that I like a lot. Yeah. You can really hear that in your music. The, you you hear the, you know, that blend of kind of like African sounds and, and then like Western Tennessee, like Memphis sounds and then kind of Eastern Tennessee or North Carolina sort of sounds all kind of, coming up together um so it's it it's it's it's, re- it's really interesting yeah that's um how do you think you've kind of melded that all together and is it just people that you've listened to and things you like to come up with your own sort of sound like that well i think it's like being from jackson mm-hmm. and because 
it's like the, the positioning of the town is like so close to Nashville and so mm-hmm. close to the East Tennessee sounds and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's also really close to the Delta mm-hmm. and close to like places where R.L. Burnside or um, Junior Kimbrough and like Mississippi, um, John Hurt, who I mentioned before, yes. or mm-hmm. like Memphis Minnie or Jesse Mayhem feel these people will have like blazed the path, you know, even Robert Johnson and people of that sort. And so like being from Jackson and having like Tina Turner right down the way and Dolly Parton right down the other mm-hmm. way, you know, like it just, it kind of did my mind like upside right. down when it comes to music where it's like, why not have it all in one song? Why does it have to be? Why do I have to just choose one way? You know, like it's all right in here together. So I think when you're a kid and you're growing up and you haven't like, you don't know what the different genres of music are. It all just, if you like music and it's a good song, it all can just end up sounding good to you. And Mm -hmm. it ends up going all the songs together and all the genres. And you're just like, I love this. (laughs) <laughs> in a world of bliss. And you don't know that it's like, this is blues. Right, this yeah, yeah. country. This is rock and roll. You just know, damn, that's some good stuff. And I feel like dancing, you know? Right. So I think that's kind of what it is. And my parents never, like, forced anything musically on us. My father promoted music. But he, like, he knew I liked to listen to all kinds of stuff. So he would just like let us listen to what we want to listen to, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got kind of mad when I was into the drug music. Like, mm-hmm. I was into stuff like, of course, Bob Marley. And I had this huge poster on my wall of him rolling a joint, and they were mad. They were like, oh. <laughs> and then when I got into Hendrix and Janis Joplin and all that hair, whole era, the doors and all of that, they were like, are you on drugs? And I was like, no, I don't think so. But but the music, I had to go there. I had to like get into the music, you know, because that's what it might, what I needed to do. I mean, I still need that music, you know, we all do. It's still with us. And so all of that, you know, and then I feel like, Studying, once I got to Memphis, studying the blues and, and you know, artists like the ones I've named and even more, Reverend Gary Davis, I mean, the list is huge. And mm-hmm. even to this day, I'm discovering more. Yeah. Studying those musicians was my way of connecting with my heritage as a black woman because I was never one who was interested in learning about slavery. Like, I wouldn't have read the... Um, biography of uh, Frederick Douglass or mm-hmm. W.E.D. Du Bois. I, okay. I mean, E.B. <laughs> I have now, but I never wanted to learn my history that way. I wanted to learn my history through songs, mm-hmm. through the true, like I told you before, what I consider to be the heart place of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like learning it from that perspective keeps me in a soft and light and beautiful, um, magical place versus learning it the the other way around. I feel like I'd be heavy and like 
oppressed slash depressed. <laughs> now I'm like, I know I can hear the hope in the songs. I can hear the like love and I can hear the joy and I can hear the belief that like all will settle in a very positive light and all will be well. And that pr- progress is and has happened and mm-hmm. we've got a long way to go. But I'm one of the forces going to help us get there. There's a lot of us, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Keep, so keep moving forward, my, right? Yeah, that was my way of, like, connecting with my roots, you know. I guess that's why I wanted to call it Roots, too, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good insight as well. I think a lot of people need to take that that attitude in general with everything going on as well. If we can kind of look down the road, you know, rather than look back uh, a little bit more then we'll get to where we want to go and everybody will get to where we want to go. Um, so that's, that's a really healthy outlook, I think. So dig it. I dig it. Um, quick question from Maisa. Maisa writes in every now and again, she's in Brazil. Huh? And um, she, uh, I missed the first part. Uh, a, a girl named Maisa. She writes in, she's on the chat and she's writing in from Brazil and she asks, what is your suggestion for a woman who plays banjo and are trying to conquer their space in music, mainly to improve the skills with the banjo? What would be your, your outlook for, for women trying to find their space in, uh, in music with the banjo? Hmm. Do you mean that just in your own, like learning it on your own, or do you mean trying to share your music with, like, to live from your craft and share your music in that way? I think she means, when she says conquering the space, I'm interpreting it as uh, trying to move and, and make an impact in the world of music. Like, do you see what I mean? Well, I think right now, living in the day that we live in, like, what I've seen, I'm not really, like, I'm such an introverted person. Like, there's so many musicians that I love. I put up this playlist of young, gifted, and black women in music, and it has so many, like, maybe a 100 women that I love the music uh, of. But I'm like, you know, I like to just kind of admire people and to, like, just kind of, like, I really am to myself. Every once in a while, I'll go party before the pandemic, but, like, I'm a loner. And so being a loner translates into my social media life, too. Like, I had my sister helping me with that because I didn't really want to be online that much, you know. I'd much rather, like, be playing or watering the plants or dancing or cooking (laughs) or something. But, like, with not doing shows and, like, realizing that, hey, I still need to connect with people because I feel like what I have is medicine and what we have as musicians, like, what she's asking is medicine, I started to use the social media platforms. And so I started to use them by, like, posting a song every few you know, days or every other week or whatever. And the connection with your audience can be built through social platforms in this day that we live in. When I first started, um, 
like 15 years ago, nah, I mean, social media, mm -mm, it wasn't there. But you do have that tool now. And you also have the ability to set up your situation however you want it, video yourself playing the song, get it exactly like you want it before you post it. Versus if you're at a live show, you got to just do what you you know, what you did. Yeah, is what you right, did. Right. So, you know, like you had the opportunity to record snippets even, like even if you don't want to do a whole song, just do like 20 seconds and start to build your social presence and, and share your gift. And you never know whose day that's going to turn around. Mm -hmm. You never know who you're going to like lift up or inspire to go play their instrument, which in turn lifted other people around them. And I think it's just like domino effect. Positivity can be this way. It really can. Music yep. can be this way. And we just, it's just what are we focusing on? We're called like every day, all day like bombarded with all of the wrong and all of the negativity but how do we move towards a better way only way is by sharing and uplifting those that are around us you know and so i think that that's kind of a way you can share your gift and when you start doing that you'll be surprised at how many people begin to reach out to you and you just expand your fan base that way when i started what i did was uh posted up flyers all over Memphis and um I'd be up at midnight going around the I did it late at night after I got off from the jobs because I just, you know, I had a show coming up and I'd like get an email list together and email people and say, Hey, come to my gig, come to my gig. Mm -hmm. But this is the way you can do it now. And you don't even have to leave your house. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was something pretty fun about plastering uh, flyers off places, right? And handing out stuff to your right, shows right. and standing outside of venues, you know, any, you know, any, any audience that might just take one in the hope that one of those people might show up to your show. Oh, uh, yeah. Printing it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kinko's FedEx. And then they started, like, advertising these flyer companies where you get, like, a thousand flyers for a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, here, here, here. Guilt, guilty as well. I did that, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to self-promote, you know? You got to. Well, you got to. Kind of a lot of it, honestly, you know? Even if you wanted to do Instagram live or YouTube live, you could say, hey, on Friday, I'm going to go live. So y'all check it out. And slowly, hopefully, you'll develop a following, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. David. Yeah. It's, um, we get, you get so much um, emotion and, and, and through your music. And it's really, it's really palpable. Um, how important do you think is, you know, for a musician or an artist of any kind, to be able to really express that, that emotion? Hmm. It's really super important. Like, I suppose that really um, more than anything, what music does for me is help me with managing emotions because I'm a, a very emotional person. Like I cried so many times today, like just things would happen and I would just cry, you know, like I think about something like mm -hmm. remembering my friend who gave me the uke when I 
took it out because she's no longer with me. They kind of made me tear up a little bit, you know, or like I I read something that my poet friend Jacqueline Suskin wrote about uh, the lives of Jacob Blake and Breonna Taylor, and that made me cry, you know, like... So I feel so much. I'm a feeling person. And then five seconds later, I'm laughing because something made me laugh. You know, <laughs> like I feel so much. I'm emotional. Like I, you know, I don't want to have that under control. The way I control it is by playing music. And I feel like uh, that's a healthy way to deal with the emotions because um, I was listening to a talk of a lady named Brene Brown and she was talking about people being numb and needing like uh, falling into addiction or different things Mm -hmm. because they need to numb out or watching shows, too many shows, numbing out. And I just feel like I like, you know, feeling what I'm feeling. And I even wrote a poem about it. It's called Ode to Fucking Feeling because I need to feel what I'm feeling, you know? And I think that part of the things that we're dealing with is like people not knowing how to feel what they're feeling and how to like like deal with those feelings within their own life, not projecting it on anyone else, just sitting with it, being in the sadness, being in the happiness, being in the madness, being in whatever it is that you feel and music is the way that you can sit in those feelings and just like yeah you know you can get that out you just get it out you know in a healthy and productive way and i i think dance is another way that that can happen like i dance every day even if it's just for two songs and i do it because like I have these emotions and I'll have these feelings and I need to like work it out. And I just like put the music on and I let my body move. And when I'm finished with the dancing, I'm like, whew, yeah, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much better now. Right. Right. <laughs> that energy wants to move. responsible somewhere. for shifting the energy right. that comes at you all day. Now, if, if stuff wasn't coming at us all day, then I wouldn't recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> but things are coming at us all day. We are not aware of the trauma that we go through living on Earth at this time. <laughs> right. No, you're you're absolutely right, and that's kind of almost uh, almost opposite the, the the bad side of what you're talking about with social media. While it can be an amazing platform, now you've got there's a whole lot of stuff on there that that can contribute to that. The the endless news, all of this stuff, you you find yourself just wanting to put things down. And I mean, as a musician, and I know David's the same way, and it sounds very much like you are, putting that stuff to one side and then just picking up an instrument, even if it's for like a half hour, just it's like the ultimate stress ball, you know? And it it, it kind of brings everything back into perspective, you know, and then some. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that with social media. You do have to balance it, you know. Got to balance it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't well, let it overtake you. It, it can do that quite easily. I tell you that. Um, I, you know, I think that your outlook is so just positive, you know. And I think you you you're able to harness, you know, like you said, your emotions, uh, be it be it kind of strong positive emotions or otherwise, but harness it towards the music and it's it's what everybody needs to be doing if they can you know i think it's really really important 
um, <laughs> during this this bizarre time. There's also a lot of stuff that's hitting us at once this year, it seems like. So it's, um, yeah, I really appreciate that outlook. I think that's really fantastic. So. Well, I do wonder, I wonder, um, you know, we had the whole pause where it was like not working so much. And, you know, if life got lighter, say, you know, bills weren't expensive and things weren't as expensive and you actually could spend more time at home with your family and stuff. Like how cool, you know, if Mm -hmm. life was lighter and it was just gentler um, Mm -hmm. on all of us all over the globe, just gentler, just a little bit nicer to us. Then um, I just wonder like the creativity that would be beaming from each person from their in their own little circle and like all of the art that would be like happening in people's families and sharing and and things and you know I think that's more what life should look like because I think everyone has an artist's phone in them if it's Mm -hmm. singing or playing or something they just need some time with it because I'll tell (laughs) you when I first Decided music was not like the only thing that was easy about music for me was singing because mm-hmm. I was a cheerleader and they said, uh, you, you ain't got no rhythm. <laughs> they, they, they called me white girl and they said, uh, no, the white girls call me white girl. And they were like, girl, you, you need to get some rhythm. And so I started to play music and I said, well, I think that if I learn how to play an instrument, then that'll teach me rhythm. And I want to do the thing that challenges me the most. (laughs) So I started to just like teach myself some rhythm. And, um, and even now I'm challenged with rhythm, but I love facing the challenge, you know? So if we did have more time at home, more time with our families, more time to just be creative, then maybe some of these things that we're like, oh, I really like that and wonder if I could do it. We would. We would do it. You know, <laughs> just give it a try. You know? Right. Time time is a thing, right? There's, there's not as much of it as we think there is. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. It is. I might uh, turn on the light here and maybe play a song if you want. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure how you're off of time. It'd be, it'd be a good time for a, for a song and see where we go yeah it got very dark there all of a sudden yeah it's um starting to set the sun let's see i need a bit in there one second that's better okay valerie's coming right back she's getting the lights on so just a reminder to everybody thanks again for tuning in um if you have any questions throw it down in the chat and then um, we will ask Valerie, but it's been a lot of fun talking to her. Dave, how are you doing? Great, great. Yeah. We're just admiring your record collection in the back as well there, Valerie. Oh, yeah. There's a <laughs> load of records, like so much to listen to. And, and then, you know, I have a lot of books too, but I have to end up getting rid of them after I read them unless it's something that, um, that I... Um, absolutely have to use for reference i have to get rid of it because there's not enough room in the house records are <laughs> i can always buy the book again but the records some of them you can't get again you know it's absolutely right in the same condition and all of the above all right what are you gonna play for us 
I will play a song called Drink Up and Go Home. It's one of my favorite songs these days. So I feel like right. I would do that one. Here's something that's just being in the city. <laughs> Can you hear this okay? Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. You sit there crying along with your beer. You shy, you've got trouble. My friend is in here. But don't tell me you're trouble. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so, Valerie, before we um, kind of start to wrap up a little bit, what's next for you? I mean, obviously, the uh, the COVID situation has maybe hindered any plans of, of big tours anytime soon. But uh, can we expect to see a new record on the horizon? Can we can we expect to see you out doing any kind of smaller uh, socially distanced shows anytime soon? I think I will do some smaller socially distanced performances. And I'll share a little bit more online, I think. Um, as I was suggesting, I'll share a little bit more <laughs> myself because I haven't really done any songs online for a few months. So I yeah. need to follow my own advice and share. <laughs> and so I'll do that. And, you know, I'm just going to, I'm always recording songs and writing songs. So. We'll see if I end up releasing some more songs at some point, but I haven't released anything since the order of time as far as a full record, but I do release songs every, you know, few, every few months, you know, right. last year I did a cover of Little Wing and then nice. a cover of um, Cosmic Dancer and the cover Let It Snow. And so I like doing stuff like that in the meantime. 
Yeah. It takes me so long to make a record, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's awesome. And where can people find you online if they want to? You're on, I know you're on Instagram because I follow you, but you're on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And tell, tell, tell the world. I have a Facebook, and that's Valerie June on Facebook. And then I have um, Instagram, which is the Valerie June. And Twitter is the Valerie June. And I have a website. It's just ValerieJune.com. So I'm around. <laughs> and um, besides being an introvert, I'm around. I'll, you know, every once in a while, I'll answer messages or respond to comments. But usually... I'll end up spending the day in the garden, which produces a lot of sweat, but joy, too. We were, we were talking about that the other day, right? Your, yeah. your, your garden back in Tennessee, that sounds amazing. Oh, God, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And here we have a beautiful garden as well. Matt has been the one who's been taking care of that because I've been in Tennessee. I basically was there from March until, until now because of the um, COVID, so... It's a lot. I'm not used to it. It was rather a transition to be in one place. Yeah. I know I'm talking a lot, but I really don't talk to very many people, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting it all out for the month. (laughs) The the Deering Live audience is kind of your your soundboard at this point, so it's totally fine. (laughs) Thank you, Deering. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Is there anything, any, any final thoughts, any, any parting words that you want to share with the with the banjo world? Banjo world. Hmm. Final thoughts. Yeah, make it a good one. Make it poignant. And <laughs> <laughs> no pressure or anything. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be back with this one. I have the the dear and good time one that I have in my. Tennessee house and in the closet it's there so every time I go I can get it out and play it which is what I was so happy to have with me because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had one with me um, during the quarantine because I didn't go down there with like I just went down there for a friend's birthday party and basically you know stayed like longer than I thought I would usually oh, when wow. I'm there for like a week or two weeks a month you know but not yeah. like months and months at a time so um i'm not anywhere for months and months at a time this one stays here and this one you know when i got here it was covered in dust and um and the one that i play all the time is at my rehearsal space and so it you know has been in a case and it's probably very angry because I haven't been to the rehearsal place. But usually, like, I'll be playing, one, like, all of them over the course of three months. You know, I'll play each one when I'm where I'm where they are. Yeah. Except for the one that I take on the road, which is the one that I play all the time. But that's the one that's the most mad and upset at me now. What you will learn, this is my banjo advice. Um, it's the same with any instrument. And with all things, we must remember that all things are living and that they, you know, uh, plants will teach you this, that they have spirits and that they have like personality uh, of sorts, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and that they must be respected, instruments included, 
they have attitudes. <laughs> this one is super loud and crazy. The deer <laughs> is so gentle for me, like the, um, you know, because I was just starting. So it's a soft, more like, okay, kind of timid energy. <laughs> and the one I take on the road is like, sure, you can just bang me around and throw me in. I don't care. I just like being on the road and having fun. So let the instruments kind of tell you what to do and what kind of instruments they are and like what their personality is and let them lead you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that. I was a good approach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Hour and fifteen. Nice job, David. All any right, any uh, any final parting words? Uh, just thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on, and thanks for you know your music has lifted. I know myself up you know many times. So thank you. Thanks for your music and everything. Thank you. I loved hearing you play the other day too. So I really appreciate that. It's inspiring for me. <laughs> It's really cool. It was a, a real pleasure having and speaking to you and uh, putting a putting a real face and personality to the to the amazing music that you're putting out. So thank you for for that and everything you're doing. Um, quick one from Scott on the chat. He says, "This is the greatest. Work was rough today, but now everything is love." Thank you so much for this. So if you're talking about people that you kind of touch and inspire, you've got at least one uh, in the chat right now saying thank you. So um, thank you, Valerie. Appreciate your time today and we'll see you next time. Thank you to everybody for watching today. It was a lot of fun. Um, We are back next Thursday. Check out the different time. It is um, a earlier one where we will have Dan Walsh. Dan Walsh is in the UK. So we are going to do it a little earlier in the time and we'll announce that next week. But once more, Valerie, thank you so, so much. Real pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have a great day or night. (laughs) You too. (laughs) Stay safe. Adios.